Today on Locked On Red Wings, Robbie Fabry is ramping up towards a return, but how will that return affect the forward lines? Your Locked On Red Wings, your daily podcast on the Detroit Red Wings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome back to the Lockdown Red Wings podcast. We are your hosts, Brian Fisher and Scotty Bentley. I'm a podcast producer for the daily J-A-W-W-J News Radio podcast. Well, Scotty's us over at Locked On Tigers, as well as a freelancer journalist for the Detroit News. On today's episode, guys, we're going to be talking about the Robbie Fabry situation. Ansar Khan tweeted out after today's practice that Derek Lalone had said that uh, Robbie Fabry is inching closer to a return, ramping up at practice and uh, should be back sometime next week. Now, granted, we've heard that before uh, when he was day to day that he would be back any day now. So I'm holding my breath, but we will talk about the impact that his return will have on the Red Wings roster, as well as um, previewing the game against the Florida Panthers, an important two points as it is an in-division game. But first, I got to tell you guys, today's episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Make every moment more. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any $5 money line bet. That's 150 bucks, 150 bucks if your team wins. Visit fanduel.com slash lockdown today to get started. All right, Scotty, first of all, happy Thursday. This is a Thursday episode, so happy Thursday. Happy Thursday, man. Yep, we're getting a little closer. We got a game day today. You know, we were just talking, you know, it's funny before we get into it. We were talking about before we started recording about how we've kind of been blessed as Red Wings fans. This was the first two-day span for us as we record where we've had two off days in a row. We've been really lucky in the entire first month of the season. We've gone recap, preview, recap, preview, recap, preview with just like maybe one day off in between. We had legitimately two days off for the first time in a month, and we've been pretty blessed that – uh Red Wings have given, been consistently giving us action to talk it's gonna about. It's going to catch up with us, let me tell you. But we'll take it for now. We'll take it for now as the season gets started and we start noticing these trends. Uh, but yeah, the point of today's episode, guys, we'll lead off here with Robbie Fabry. Uh, like I mentioned, Ansar Khan had tweeted out that uh, Derek Lalone said Robbie Fabry was ramping up his, his routines at practice, getting back into it, and should be back sometime next week. And that makes me wonder, like, one, where does Robbie Fabry fit in the lineup? And two, if you do find a place to fit, where will it be at? Because, and I think the easy answer is to say, oh, well, the forward lines just go back to the way they were prior. But, you know, a lot has changed in the nine games that Robbie Fabry has missed. Uh, We found a really nice shutdown line on that second line. And now with David Perron, only one game with David Perron on that second line, they've produced quite a bit. JT Comfort really took over that game with the Islanders. And of course, Joe Valeno has stepped up big time on the third line. Like some huge changes have had to occur in that middle six with him out. And Rob Joe Valeno, namely is going to be the the name of consequence. I feel in this conversation when talking about what happens when Robbie Fabry comes back. Yeah, man, it's, it's a, it's a pretty fascinating conversation because I think, I, I talk about this a lot on on my my Tiger show as well. Is like the beautiful thing about sport is that there there is a million different ways to lose and a million different ways to win, right? Like you can you there's a there's a infinite amount of ways to to build a roster, to set a roster, to set lines, etc. And and a lot of them will work and a lot of them won't work. And so there's there's I think multiple right answers here. I don't think there's just like one, like, oh, it, it's obviously this, which is, I, I think, what makes this such a fascinating conversation. Um, I, I think 
it, it is tough to because of what to do with the second line is tough. And then, like you said, Valeno is obviously a big talking piece. I think I want to start with the second line thing, like the the Rasmussen cop comfort line obviously got broken up. I think most people were pretty pleased to see that it got broken up. Um, and, and while the line was more productive with Perron there, uh, Perron himself didn't look like incredible in that game. And it was I mean, still how better. Much are we putting into like one hockey game? You know what I mean? Like I, I, I think Lalone, and you've mentioned this before. I, I think Lalone is very much, uh, you know, we're going to keep rolling with something until it stops working. And then we're going to adjust accordingly. I think that we, he he's proven to be that type of a, a coach when it comes to lines so far in his Red Wings career. But um, I don't know, man, if that second line isn't producing more, I, I, I wouldn't be against throwing Fabry up there on the second line and giving him an opportunity. And uh, in the same breath, when we talk about what happens with Valeno, I think that we also then are talking about what happens with cop. Are, are we married to the idea that Comfer and cop have to be on the same line? It, a month ago before opening night, we were like set in stone that cop was the three C of this team this year. And now that's just like completely changed. And, and cop has played next to Comfer all but opening night. So um, I, I think there's there's a few different moving parts here that that Fabry is going to obviously um, affect. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I, you know, you mentioned the second Comfort line. Who see though? <laughs> well, and that's another thing too. Is and you even mentioned it. You know, long term, we we did an episode uh, over the summer before the trade for I think it was before the trade for Debrinket or the trade for Petrie had occurred. I think it was the trade for Petrie had occurred. Uh, where we tried to guess what the forward lines would be and short term and long term. And long term, you had said that eventually you want to see Kopfer and Comp play on the same line as Casper or Danielson take over the center role in either the 2C or the 3C role uh, coming out of junior slash AHL, wherever they're coming out of. And, you know, we got a taste of that early on in the season here. And, you know, they played well together in a shutdown role, but they weren't producing a lot of offense. But as soon as they put Perron on their wing rather than Rasmussen, again, one game, uh, they, they were fantastic. And as you said that I said, Lone's not going to change it up as long as that line keeps producing. So if Fabry were to come back tomorrow, I don't think he'd slot in on the second line because you got a lot of production on JT Comfort and Andrew Kopp in that top, in that second line. And while Perron looked like he was a step behind and maybe out of sync with that line, he himself did not have a bad game. He just looked a little bit out of sync with the rest of that line. Long-term, I do think that you could see Perron get demoted back down to three line three, and then you could see, um, Fabric go on line two, but there's another scenario too, where with another consequence of Robbie Fabry's injury had to be with, because the fact that JT Comfer had to, and Andrew Kopp had been rotating winger center on the second line because Fabry's out and he can't play on that second line anymore while he was out. That made Joe Valeno get promoted to three C in a role in which he has produced uh, five goals in 10 games for him. He's been phenomenal up until this game against the Islanders. He was pretty much the only depth forward that was scoring any goals for the Detroit Red Wings outside like an odd, I don't know if you can call a comp or a depth forward on this team because he's second line, but you know what I mean? Anyone outside the top line, really, it was just Joe Valeno up until this last game where uh Comfer and Sprong put the puck in the back of the net. So, I, I don't think that again, you're not going to change up what's working, right? You're not going to demote 
You're not going to send down Zarnik to demote Jovalay into the fourth line to make space for Robbie Fabry on the second line or the third line, whatever that may be. Like you want to keep what is working, working. And Joe Valeno has been working hard and he's been getting results, whether that shows up on the score sheet or not. He looks like he deserves the 13 minutes a night he's been getting, not five minutes a night that the fourth line gets on any given night, because that's how alone runs this fourth line goes out there as a spark plug PK in a lot of instances for Christian Fisher. Um, but they get like five, six minutes a night. Jonathan Bergman is only getting five, six minutes a night. So, I don't want to see Joe Valeno go back to that. I really don't. I don't think that benefits him or behooves him in any way, shape, or form. So you have a hole on 4C, and you're not putting Comfer on 4C. You're not putting uh, – you're not putting – You're not putting Comp on 4C. Or you're not. Like you're, you're, you, again, what you just said, you'd like Valeno to get more minutes than that. So, I mean, you're, you're presented with this decision to make on – In Zonic what, we trust. No, I don't think so. Because I, I agree with you. But like, Fab- well, think about it. With Fabry active, and I think I believe they have the roster space. Let me double check. I think they're only carrying 22 players right now. Technically, yeah, they're carrying 22 players with Austin Zarnick. So they could activate Fabry, keep Zarnick up as like a healthy scratch, and rotate it, rotate a player in and out. That is completely a possibility. But they've shown that they don't want to carry a full roster of 23. They want to have 22. Austin Zarnick, you place him on waivers to send him down. He's not going to get picked up. It's not going to happen. It's a great depth piece. He's been great on the fourth line with the Detroit Red Wings, really filling that role. But he is literally a replacement level player. Every team has those. I don't worry about Zarnick getting picked up off waivers. I think he gets sent down. And when that happens, you have now have a role at 4C. You have to fill. And I think it gets filled in one of three ways, if this is the route you want to go, if you want to keep JT Confer and Andrew Kopp together on line two and keep Joe Valeno as the center of line three, I think it gets filled in one of three ways. But I'm going to wait until after the break to tell you what that well, is. That's I was going to ask. I, I think we should just start throwing line combos out there and see what we like and don't like. Yeah. So we're going to do that in segment two. That's what you call a professional tease there, Scotty. That's, that's journalism with a capital J, baby. Absolutely. So stay tuned <laughs> to segment two of Lockdown Red Wings. Got to talk to you guys today about Sleeper. A new NHL season brings all sorts of possibilities. The Red Wings uh, could hoist the Stanley Cup. Alex Dabrinkit on pace for 50 goals. Joe Valeno on pace. Well, probably not 45 now after the last game he didn't score. Maybe just 42 or 41 now. Who knows? Uh, Joe Valeno, phenomenal. Uh, And you could win big by playing Daily Fantasy Hockey on Sleeper, the official Daily Fantasy app of the Lockdown NHL Network. Sleeper is the number one choice for daily fantasy sports and especially daily fantasy hockey because with Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. All you got to do is pick whether studs like McDavid, Alex Dabrinkit, uh, Jake Wallman will record more or less than their Sleeper projections for things like goals, assists, saves, plus, minus, and more in any given game. To win a 100-time bet on To win a 100 times bet on Sleeper, you need to correctly predict the outcome of eight player stats. You heard me, Red Wings fans. You can win 100 times your money playing daily fantasy hockey with Sleeper. So start paying attention and nail your picks so you can start winning big. Use promo code LOCKDOWNNHL and you'll get up to $100 matched on your first deposit. Terms and conditions do apply. That's LOCKDOWNNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details and locational availability. Also got to talk to you guys today about Indeed. When you're drafting your fantasy team, do you ever wish you could do the same with your business team? If you're building a roster to win the league, you need 
Indeed. Indeed is the hiring platform where you can attract, interview, and hire all in one place. Don't spend hours on multiple job sites looking for candidates with the right skills when you can do it all with Indeed. You just got to find that talent fast with Indeed's suite of powerful hiring tools like Indeed Instant Match, Assessments, and Virtual Interviews. Hate waiting? Indeed's U.S. data shows over 80% of Indeed employers find quality candidates whose resume on Indeed matches their job description the moment they they sponsor a job. Indeed knows when you're growing your business, you have to make every dollar count. That's why in with Indeed, you only pay for quality applications that match your must-have job requirements. So visit Indeed.com slash LockedOn to start hiring right now. Again, that is Indeed.com slash LockedOn. Terms and conditions apply. Cost per application pricing not available for everyone. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Indeed you do. Segment two, Locked On Red Wings podcast. Scotty and I are talking about what to do with Robbie Fabry, and I posed the question that if you want to keep Comfort and Cop together on line two, you want to keep Joe Valeno as your 3C, that that is going to cause a vacancy in the 4C position because two of your centers are playing on line two. Can I guess one, one of yours? Go for it. Uh, I'm going to say, mm, actually, maybe I take it back because I don't think you want him to play that few of minutes. You, you haven't taken anything back yet because you didn't say anything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. in my head, <laughs> I took it back, though. Well, okay, okay. I think we actually are on the same page um, because you need a player who plays center, right? Um, I think the most likely situation is Christian Fisher, who has played center in historically. It's not listed as a center on cap friendly or any publication, but I know he has played some center minutes in the NHL with the Arizona coyotes. I believe so, it. We said have to double check, but I'm pretty sure you have. The reason him. why I like that as well is because um, you are clearly like Fisher is an asset to this team. Like this is, this is not the, like when we first acquired him, we were talking like, Oh, maybe 13th forward, or he gets some penalty kill time, whatever. Like he is a, he is a, an, a legitimate asset to this hockey team. And he, he is a defensive forward that is a plus contributor on the penalty kill nearly every single time we go on the PK. So, like, the I, I think that it's it's easy to make that move happen, even if he doesn't have a ton of experience at NHL center. If it's just going to be five to seven minutes a night playing fourth-line center and then still with his minutes – that he's going to get a lot at the penalty kill night to night basis. I think that's somebody that they're clearly comfortable out on the ice. Um, so that wouldn't shock me for sure. Yeah, I that's my number one go to. I think is you move him over to the forward line, you send Zarnik down, but then you have to fill a line, fill somebody on the wing. But we've seen it in the past too, where the Red Wings are comfortable running eleven forwards and seven defensemen. Of course, that means that you still have another forward who's odd man out. You haven't really solved where Fabry is going to slot in at that point. But, I mean, I'm okay with putting a guy like Robbie Fabry on the wing on the fourth line, or even my second solution was center on the fourth line because Robbie Fabry also has experience and history mm -hmm. playing some center. It has been proven at this point he's a better winger than he is a center. So I would usually stay away from that. He's just It's just a fact. He's a better winger than a better center. Um, but that being said, I mean, he needs time to ramp up at the NHL level, right? At, at, the, at least the very beginning while you're trying to figure out how he fits. You could add a little bit of an offensive punch to a fourth line that needs it um, while playing a, a gritty position. The fourth line is a gritty line, and he does bring a – he actually does surprisingly bring a little bit of a physical presence, which is surprising given how uh, fragile he is. Got to wrap him in bubble wrap. 
but you can also get him back acclimated to the NHL speed because he's coming off of the IR. So that's, I know, just a temporary solution, uh, whether it be center or wing on the fourth line. And then, of course, my third solution, Scotty, was going to say maybe Michael Rasmussen, another player <laughs> you've put at center multiple times throughout his career to test it out. I think he's looked good at center. Of course, I don't want him playing that few of minutes. I understand that. But if that opens up an immediate spot on winger in the middle six, Michael Rasmussen, unfortunately, has kind of gotten off to a slow start. I'll own up to it as much as I love Michael Rasmussen. He's gotten out to a little bit of a slow yeah. start with the season this year. <clears throat> put him on the fourth line. Put Robbie Fabrian, who you think is going to inject a little bit more offense in the middle six. Even on, even if that means you can then demote Perron down to a third liner uh, long term, if that second line begins to stagger again, and then put him back up, Fabry rather, on the second line. And then there's your offensive punch with JT Comfer mm-hmm. and Andrew Kopp. Now, granted, Robbie Fabry's a little bit of a defensive back hole, a uh, black hole, while Kopfer and Comp are really strong defensively. So I'm not sure what the chemistry there would be. But those are my three possible solutions besides just going back to what we did in game one, which would be down the middle, Larkin, Comfer, Cop. Valeno for sure and and I do think that there's a possibility that just go back to that um I don't think that that's like out of the realm of possibility I just think that Lalone clearly seems to be fond of of cop and Comfer on the same line um I, I think it's it almost makes more sense to map out what the middle six is going to look like and then that will just kind of give us a clear picture of what the fourth line will then be does that make sense like yeah what does you I I we, we talked about the second line. We've talked about the fourth line. What does your third line look like? That's like the biggest question mark of this entire thing. Is Valeno your 3C? It sounds like he is if you were calling the shots. Like who, what does, I think determining the third line kind of inherently determines the line above and below it, to be honest. I mean, with how things have been panning out right now with the Detroit Red Wings, I think your second line long-term it's tough to say because mm, I don't it's like also, there's going to be some blending like this. Yeah. We're not going to come to the conclusion on November 2nd of what the four lines are going to look like for the, you know, last 72 games of the season. Like there, there's going to be a lot of movement still. It's just like in, in the short term, like I, I think I, I really I think mapping out what the third line is, it kind of like a answers all your questions and B is the biggest question mark because of that. Yeah. I mean, I, I like keeping JT and cop together. Cause I do think that they're building chemistry. We saw it in the last game. Like they finally began to click and obviously the change to that second line maybe had something mm-hmm. to do with it. Maybe I'm tweeting too much credit on David Perron. They could have just had a good game, which is it's also entirely possible. Um, but I like keeping JT and cop together on that second line. But I'm also not opposed to demoting somebody like Cop either. I really think JT Comfer should stay on the second line regardless. Putting Cop down is your 2C. Do yeah. Not get it and, and historically, as much as I liked when we signed Cop as being the solution to 2C, historically, Cop has been a better winger than a center. Yeah. Uh, and I recognize that. Defensively, he's good at winning faceoffs. He's a penalty kill type of guy as well. Um, but I'm not opposed to keeping him on the wing. I guess I guess I need to stop sitting on the fence. I'm going to give you two lines right now. And this is just off the, my, off the dome. I have Cop, Confer, Fabry, line two. I have Sprong, Valeno, and then either David Perron or Michael Rasmussen on the wing for line three. And then with line four would be your Perron slash Rasmussen, whatever one doesn't slot in on line three, Costin and Fisher. The reason why I'm okay with putting Perron on line four is because clearly in my eyes, at least through the first 10 games, his speed is 
catching up with him. His age is catching up with him. He's not quite there speed-wise. And if you can keep Christian Fisher on the roster on the fourth line and just have him go out there as like your penalty kill specialist, you can do the same thing with David Perron at the power play. Have him go out there, shoot a lot of pucks, block the front of the net on the power play. Have him eat. He'll still get with the power plays, and as many penalties are getting called, he'll still get like eight to ten minutes a night, a lot of that being on the power play. So to me, it sounds like we've come to the conclusion that there is an odd man out in the top three lines between Fabry, Perron, Rasmussen, and that's it? Yeah, those are the three. Maybe you can throw Sprong in there, I guess, if you felt like it, but I think he's he's good. I think he's a middle six, uh, third liner Mm -hmm. at this point. So, like, which one of those three, I guess, is kind of the question of which one of those three is a fourth liner? I think to start, it's Robbie Fabry. I don't think you can. I, I would agree. I, 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 and it's more so because of the injury thing than performance. Yeah. Um, Let him and it's something that, it. you know, by by American Thanksgiving could change. Like, you know what I mean? What about uh, American Christmas? American Christmas, as Brian says. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I agree. And that's more or less just that you don't want to mess up with the chemistry of what the team has got going on without him or when he was out sure. plus but they could him a chance in the second line could look terrible tonight. And then we have one good game and one bad game. And yeah. you're like, okay, wow. Well. <laughs> but that's why this is such a fun thought experiment. Right. So yeah. I think, I think Scotty and I have given you a, a couple of really solid ideas. I really um, think it's between those three though. I agree mm-hmm. that it's like, it's it, one of those three guys has to get the boot from the top nine. And it's just a conversation of which one of those three is, is um, going to play fourth line. And I, I, I would lean Fabry just given the lack of minutes he's played this season and coming off of an injury. That kind of makes sense. But which also, I mean, think about how good that sounds. I mean, obviously, we love Fabry and we think he can be a 20 goal scorer if he ever stays healthy for a full 82 game season. Um, But think about the fact that a guy who you used to have to put on your top line and second line consistently is now your fourth line winger. Like that's Mm -hmm. that's a good problem to have. Yeah. 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 Well, same same with the other two guys, too. Same with Rasmussen and, and, and Perron, obviously. And that's called depth, guys. Uh, we we got to take a quick break. When we return, we're going to preview the Florida Panthers game and an important two points uh, for the Red Wings before they head in the weekend to play Boston again. So stay tuned uh, to Lockdown Red Wings. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 money line bet. That's $150 if your team wins. If you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use, and there's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. Scotty, we've been talking all season, man. I've been taking money lines like crazy, just dogs after dogs after dogs, and I've been doing pretty well. Now, granted, I only ever bet a dollar because I'm responsible. Everyone should be responsible and know their limits, right? But I've been winning. I've been on a good stretch. Uh, I made a little bit of money last night. I bet the uh, well, I bet he's the, added a whole four dollars to his wedding fund. He's feeling yeah. pretty good about himself. Uh, last night would have been like a dollar fourteen. So uh, I, <laughs> I bet, bet in total, was, like in your life. Oh yeah, you know, total. I, <laughs> uh, thank God, Allison's a nurse. Uh, anyway, <laughs> so the Kings were road dogs against the Toronto Maple Leafs, and my buddy Kenny, we were talking, and I was like, "Listen, man," he was he said rather he was like, "Listen, man, never bet against the Kings." They're for some reason consistently dogs against other playoff teams, and they're good. 
and I took his advice. I bet Kings put a whole dollar down. I think they were like plus one fourteen. I made two two fourteen. So minus the dollar I bet, I made a whopping dollar fourteen for the wedding fund. You wow. are welcome, Allison. So <laughs> visit fanduelcom slash lockdown and kick off the NFL season. Segment three, Locked On Red Wings podcast. I hope everyone knows I'm joking about putting the money I win through gambling into the wedding fund. <laughs> I am. I I do contribute, guys, real money. Uh, let's talk about the Florida Panthers game. It's an important two game, uh, two points for the Red Wings for many different reasons. One, you're coming off a losing skid, and you want to try and get that ball rolling again. It's against a divisional opponent you have yet to face, and then you have another divisional opponent on the other side. So this game is kind of like an important. I wouldn't call it a rubber match. Because usually the rubber match is like if you're one and one, you're going into the third game uh, in baseball terms. I don't know if you will follow baseball at all, Scotty, but that's what that means. Um, You're welcome, buddy. This is an important game to, I wouldn't say set the tone for the next one after that, because you don't want to look past the Florida Panthers, because despite their kind of sluggish start, they're not a bad hockey team by any stretch of the imagination. But that's exactly why this game is important. It's a divisional opponent that I think is, you look up and down their rosters, is a pretty good hockey team. I think this is more important than Boston. Uh, not because Florida's better than Boston, because no one's better than Boston right now. And I think most teams are looking at the Bruins on the schedule and going, well, there's a, well, there's a loss. So don't make it two in a row. <laughs> like I'm not trying to be like like super pessimistic. I'm I'm obviously I hope that we can uh, we can right the wrong. And, and they played them for as much as they were outplayed. The score was close ish uh, against. The Bruins for the first couple of periods are the first time we played them, but like they're not losing. So you need, it is imperative to go out there and at least get a point, if not two points against the Panthers uh, beforehand. So you can kind of give yourself a little bit of a cushion to where whatever happens against Boston, whether you, you hand them a regulation loss, uh, which is <laughs> rather rare uh, this season to put it lightly, or uh, if you, if you do just end up losing, like has been the way of the road against most of their opponents, you give yourself a win going into it. I think this is, this is important because Boston is next. I think this is you, if you're looking past this, you're doing it wrong. Like this is the game you should be like kind of graying out Boston and be like, oh, we'll get to that when we get to it. Like this is, and it's the next game up. Obviously these are professionals. They know you take it one at a time, right? Right, yeah, they, they they don't they I I don't really think that uh, that NHL players and and professional athletes like really do like look ahead or whatever. Like you you play the team in front of you, but um, I I think this is this is super important because Boston is waiting on the doorstep. Yeah, I mean th- it's just for a little context. Florida Panthers currently are four three and one eight games played where you have played ten, so that's part of the reason why they're six in the Atlantic Division. They just have two less games than you. And that's going to stay the same when you play them tomorrow or today, by the time you're listening to this. Um, Of course they took Boston overtime and lost, So both teams got points out of that, which was fantastic. I, and I say that with sarcasm, heavy sarcasm is implied on that because you hate when two teams in your division go to overtime. So they both walk away with points, but you know, this is a team that is, is just for some reason, a little bit disjointed early on in the season. Uh, despite the fact that they're, and we'll talk about the reasons why they're not seeing a lot of success. Uh, I think there's one major reason and it works to your benefit as a Detroit Red Wings fan. Um, but Sam Reinhart leads the team with a 11 points in eight games played. Evan Rodriguez, eight points in eight games played Alexander Barkov, seven or eight points in seven games played. So you got a pretty good, uh, a pretty good 
I guess, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, selection variety. That's the word variety. Every, every episode, there's one word that escapes my mind when I go to use it as an adjective. Uh, there's a pretty good variety of players scoring for the Florida Panthers right now. Uh, but the Detroit Red Wings are much better in that uh, category right now. The Dylan with Dylan Larkin at 15 points in 10 games. I think Alex Debrink is currently at 13 and 10 games. Joe Valeno, uh, Mort Sider's a point per game. And uh, Goss Despair is just one point beneath a point per game. So you, the Red Wings are, have been getting scoring from the best players on their team. And we've talked about that a lot. But this game is really interesting for the Detroit Red Wings because Florida's really good at what you're bad at. And you're really good at what Florida's bad at. I think yeah. the main reason why the Florida Panthers have lost four games and while they're four, three, and one, and they're technically four and four when you think about actual win loss record is because their penalty kill is 32nd in the league. And that works out to your major benefit because you currently have the fourth best power play in the league. The Red Wings do. Uh, their penalty kill percentage right now is a whopping 67.9%. Uh, Scotty, that is not a good penalty kill. Wolf. Yes. Uh, and that's only through eight games. I understand that. So everything's still a small sample size. But, I mean, that's a really bad sample size uh thir 32nd in the league the absolute worst and you have one of the best power plays in the league i know it's been this is a perfect perfect game actually to reignite your power play you've kind of gone dry the last couple of games on two games without game. a power play goal mm -hmm. despite the win those all came at even strength be it 3v3 or 5v5 for the detroit red wings against the islanders like this is a perfect opportunity to reignite that power play and get those points back up and get that rolling again uh so i mean that's why i think when you're talking about the three keys of this game, Scotty, uh, one of them is play an aggressive forecheck. You know, get back to that. You had an aggressive forecheck against the Islanders at the start of the first and throughout the entirety of the third. And the reason being, because one, when you do that, a lot of the times you end up taking having more shot attempts, um, more shots on that in general. You end up forcing the other team to take penalties too because they get frustrated and they end up being lazy with the stick or accidentally tripping a guy and that'll draw penalties in which you can showcase your power play against their penalty kill. Uh, their power play for what it's worth is also not very good. 22nd in the league. So bottom 11, technically, if they're at 22nd at 14.3%, the Red Wings are at 34% right now. So right there, like if you're going to, you have a huge advantage on special teams over the Florida Panthers, that's going to go a long way to beating this team. For sure. No, I, I don't have too much to add in that regard. This is you have one of the best power plays in the league, and you're going up against one of the worst penalty kills. That should be pretty self-explanatory. You, you, that should be something that you take advantage of 100%. Um, I, uh, I, Reimer's in net, <clears throat> right, confirmed mm -hmm. for this game. So that's uh, a big thing. This is, what, his third game of the season, and he's done pretty well through two? Fourth, I believe. Oh, okay. I, I think that's what oh. Evolving Hockey said he had three goal, three games the other day. So let me double-check on that, though. No, no, but anyways, right. It doesn't really matter. I don't remember if he had played two or played three yet. Uh, if this was game three or game four, I guess. So I, I believe you. Um, regardless, he he's been he's been pretty solid. I, I would say he certainly his first game was uh, was really really good. So yeah, man, I I think that that's going to be a a something to watch in this game as well. Like Florida, this is game four. Yeah, game yeah. So he's got three under his belt. Um, this is. Something we talked about this what a week and a half ago, maybe even two weeks ago. Now we kind of brought up like look ahead at the schedule and find the Rhymer starts. It's hard. The, the Wings have a tough schedule to kick off this season. They have a tough November, and there, there's not a lot of like blatant Rhymer games. 
so I, I this is uh, important. If, if you're going to throw him out there against a team that literally made the Stanley Cup last year, uh, you gotta you, you gotta step up, but you you need Huso for Boston. So um, I, uh, I I I don't disagree with the decision, but it's obviously a big decision that that could uh, either cost or benefit the Wings. So I think that that's a really important like coaching decision to bring up. Yeah, absolutely. You know what's interesting is this would have been a perfect game to play Alex Lyon against his former team, uh, but. That's a situation that we have not addressed in a while because the Red Wings haven't done anything about it. He just hasn't he played. Was dressed. I think he's been dressed once this year. He was a backup one game. Uh, I think it was Lions or uh, Rymer's last start. I think he was dressed as the backup, and that's the only time we've seen him. That they might do that again. Maybe that's going to be the trend. Is Rymer starts, Lion backs up. Uh, literally sure. being third string. But anyways, I mean, it's still only happened. I think once. Maybe yeah, that's once. that's neither here nor there. Um, well, I mentioned it too. Like th- this team, this Florida Panthers team, their weakness suits your strength, but it's the vice versa as well. Uh, this Florida Panthers team, while the Red Wings still currently, as of recording this on Wednesday, lead the league in goals and 5v5 goals, despite their awful, talked about it yesterday, bottom 10 in Corsi, shots four percentage and expected goals four percentage. The Florida Panthers are ninth in shots, per, uh, shots four versus shot attempts percentage, Corsi four, as you guys know it, at five on five, so ninth. Uh, best Corsi four percentage in the league at five V five. They're the fifth best shots four percentage. So if you want to talk about shots that get on net, they're very good at generating shots and preventing the other team from generating shots as well. Uh, and then they're 15th in the league and expected goals four percentage. So when you take that Corsi and apply quality to it, they're the 15th best team in quality shot attempts first quality shot attempts against. So they, that clearly screams to me that they are a team that, at five on five possesses the puck a lot and they four track pretty aggressively. Uh, so that's where you're going to struggle is at five V five because of how they play the game. Uh, but if you come out and you try to match that energy and you can draw penalties, just basically, again, we talk about the three keys of the game. My, my big, my big one is uh four check and make them. The second one is make the most out of the power play, get back on track power play wise. Scotty, do you have a key to the game to speak for this one? I mean, honestly, I, I think like pretty again, like my my biggest takeaway is not the right word because it hasn't happened yet. But the the biggest thing I've circled is like Reimer and that like that's a that's a a very um, I don't want to say like bold, but like that that is a a coaching decision that has been made, right? Like that is that, that we've had a couple, we've had two games off since our last game. It would be very easy to just roll Huso out there again. This is clearly an intentional coaching decision to put Reimer out there. So you need him to do well. That that's, I think that is mine. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, do you have uh, a uh, first goal prediction? We haven't been keeping track of these at all. No, but it's always fun to say. No, it is. I, I'm glad we're doing it. I'm just saying we we should like keep tabs on it too. I just don't um, want to be wrong, so I don't do it. Well, then you wouldn't do much. <laughs> um, man, I don't know. Give me to break it back. Uh, back on the horse, named Friday. Named Friday, absolutely. All right. I mean, that's a that's a good one, uh, especially considering how bad their penalty kill is, and he'll get a lot of power play minutes. I'll go Shane Gossis Bear then. Same reason. Nice. Nice. You get a lot of power play minutes, a lot of opportunities to score, given, you know, if the Panthers take any penalties. Of course, that's always a wild card that you don't know the answer to. But uh, all right. No, you Scott, don't know the answer. You don't know the answer. Do you have any final thoughts, my dude? We will. 
We ball. We'll be back with a new episode tomorrow, recapping the game against the Florida Panthers. So stay tuned for that. Same time, same place. It's your team every day. Every day.